0: Everybody's got to eat, and nobody likes getting sick. That's why heroes toil in the shadows, keeping your food safe at all points, from the supply chain to the point of sale. Join industry veterans Francine L. Shaw and Matt Ragucci for a deep dive into food safety. It all boils down to
1: one golden rule. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. Hello, Francine. Hey, Matt. How are you today? I am wonderful. Are you live in the dream, Francine, every day. <laughs> I tell people that nightmares are still dreams.
0: <laughs> they are, aren't they?
1: <laughs> yes. Like if someone asked me if I'm living the dream, I'm like, "Well, a nightmare, but I guess it's still a dream."
0: <laughs> I was trying to think, what's that Taylor Swift song? I doubt you listen to Taylor Swift. I don't see you as a Taylor Swift type kind of guy.
1: I don't know. I have a teenage daughter, so
0: sheesh, I wasn't prepared for a Taylor Swift conversation. <laughs> well, you brought it up, Francine.
1: <laughs> Today is a very interesting topic. I know we are we've we've actually talked about Frank Yenis a few times in the past. And for those of you though, this is your first episode. Frank Yenis used to be the vice president of food safety at Walmart and then went to go work for the FDA. So he was one of the head honchos on the human food side of the FDA. He just recently retired from the FDA. And then part of the conversation that we had had recently was, what was Frank Guinness going to do next? Did you see he posted something on LinkedIn yesterday?
0: Was it just yesterday? My God, I feel like it was days ago. I saw uh, something that appeared it might be a logo. Yes. Was that just yesterday? That was just
1: yesterday.
0: (laughs) Maybe I am living a nightmare. (laughs)
1: The amount of stuff that we do in a day, though, I understand. I understand.
0: My God, I feel like that was days ago. Um, yeah, I did see it. It looked like a logo or something. Yeah,
1: it was just FY. It was just FY, and it looked like like a Sega, like like a video game logo. Yeah, I'm guessing we were correct. I'm guessing he's going into consulting.
0: I think so. That was there were a lot of I saw comments that eluded that other people felt. The same way, and we're thinking the same thing.
1: Yeah. So why are we bringing him up right now? Because the topic of today is he just testified in front of Congress recently, and it was very interesting and actually encouraging. And a lot of times we talk about in these podcasts that we learn a lot from outbreaks, kind of getting the root cause, the any type of outbreak It it becomes almost like a a criminal investigation where they really investigate what went wrong, how, who was involved, why, et cetera, et cetera, right? And he broke down a lot of that for the Abbott formula um, outbreak, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. It's pretty interesting.
0: So imagine – The difference between going in and testifying as the FDA official and then coming back and being able to testify as a concerned individual really wanting to do what is right and giving your honest opinion about what should have been done and how it should have been done. And this is where we messed up.
1: Right. It was fascinating. First off, I um, read articles that the FDA would not let Frank and some of the other leaders of the FDA, the government would not let them actually testify in front of Congress. So he could not have even talked in front of Congress or they were holding him back while he was there. Now he's no longer there. And it was a very interesting conversation. Guys, if you have, uh, maybe you're as jaded as I am, Francine, and and there has to be, given the, number of people listening to these podcasts. There has to be someone that agrees with me that um, it's really hard to get anything done through Congress. I don't know. Am am I odd in this? Oh, (laughs) no. No, right? I mean, it is is one of the most incompetent, uh, maybe not incompetent. Incompetent is not the right word. What would be the, they're not, they're really smart people there. They just they they can't get out of their own way. They're all, everything is, is.
0: That's exactly right. They can't get out of their own way. It's like whether
1: you're Democrat, Libertarian, Socialist, Communist, it doesn't matter. Everybody agrees.
0: I I could care less about the political affiliations. It right. has nothing to do with any of that. It all should be for the greater good. Right. What is the best and what is the right thing to do for? humanity. Forget. Put the political differences aside. My God, nobody should be eating food and dying. Nobody should (laughs) be. What if this was your child or your grandchildren, for God's sake? What is the right thing to do? Forget your political party.
1: 100%. And And there are
0: certain things that shouldn't get wrapped up in all of that.
1: 100%. And you know what was fascinating was if I think I think there was a study that showed like 20% of the population actually thinks Congress is doing a good job. 20%. So it doesn't matter what party, the vast majority of people agree Congress is not working. But if you want to be encouraged by government, I know this is mind-blowing comment I'm going to make. If you want to be encouraged by government, the link down below, I'm putting the um the conversation with Frank Yenis with Congress. We have found something that Congress can agree on. When they eat food, they don't want to die. And they definitely don't want babies to die. Republicans, Democrats, put their political stuff aside. I mean, obviously, some of their staffers wrote some things in the initial comments that would would be partisan. But the questioning aspect of this 90-minute long conversation with Frank Guinness and a doctor – I forget what his name is. There's another doctor on there – was very encouraging and – there's. I'm going to put a document that Frank had written before he walked in outlining the issues with Abbott and the issues, the investigation of the, the whole entire infant formula outbreak, issues with the supply chain, why that was the case. And he put like 12 suggestions or 11 suggestions. Even the least political people that listening to this would actually find the conversation with Frank and Congress interesting just because it, it touches everybody. And they really seemed to want to fix the problem.
0: Well, the key word there was seemed.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is, that is, that is true. Yeah, I, I guess politicians are actors, so they can, they can look like they want to.
0: I get so infuriated because some of the stuff we've been fighting about or um, wanting to change for, for, for years, but yet the statistics- have remained the same for the last 30
1: years. Right.
0: So the odds of me seeing those numbers change in my lifetime diminish every year. Yeah. And, you know, we're willing to fight and stop. And regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, and I'm not going to get in a political conversation about it because we don't want to do that. But, you know, we'll, we'll fight about Roe versus Wade, but let's not fight about the formula we feed these babies after they're born. So
1: let's talk about the food. Well, actually, let's 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 actually talk about it because the first off, the statistics. I'm surprised they haven't gone up, and the reason why I'm surprised they haven't gone up is because as we get more and more sophisticated with testing, as we get more and more sophisticated with diagnosing, you know, like uh, as doctors become more sophisticated in understanding what foodborne illness looks like, you know, maybe it's not the flu, maybe it's a foodborne illness, and then there is testing of it. I would assume it'd be like um, when you add police officers to a neighborhood that has like a high crime rate, actually crime rate increases because the crime statistics are not based upon crimes that actually happen, but crimes that are reported and analyzed and all that stuff. And so if you have more cops on the street, you're going to see more crime. I'm surprised the statistics have an increase just because we're seeing it more. But I think as we get more and more sophisticated too, we have seen a drop overall because practices from these companies are better. But Abbott, this facility was bad. I'm shocked.
0: Well, I was when I started reading the documentation, I was just like, I'm sure my jaw hit the the desk because it was just I was astounded.
1: Yeah, it's so bad. First off, you and I had researched Chronobacter. So just to kind of give some background on this for people that that I mean, it was all over the news, right? that the Abbott. Scare or Abbott outbreak with Cronobacter for infants, but Cronobacter is such an like you and I both were asking each other, "Do you even know what Cronobacter is?" Uh, because it's it's such a unique foodborne illness that is so unique to this, right? I mean, you did some research on it.
0: Right, it, because it's not something that we see in our everyday line of work. Matt had asked me, you know, is this something that you've come across or have come across before? And my answer was not prior to the outbreak with the formula. So we were doing some research and, you know, it almost every case that I came up with was baby formula related. Yeah. You know, back, I think it was 2010, I said there was in Mexico an outbreak that was baby formula related. And then just most recently, Gerber just in the last month or so had a recall that was baby formula related. So it's, you know, an absolutely horrible, horrible illness. And it appears to us from the research that we just recently did that, you know, there's certainly a lot of babies involved, baby formula situations. And if an infant does get this, the outcome is not good.
1: No, it is It is really bad. It, it's like um, uh, we've had multiple conversations about listeria. It's it's kind of like that, right? It's, it's a bacteria that is just in the environment. It's not really a fecal coliform. It can be. There can be colonies that you can get from poop that will last through that. But it's not really a, a fecal coliform. It's just in the environment. The illness from it is very rare, just like listerosis from listeria is very rare but it tends to really hit those infants and it comes up as sepsis or meningitis which is absolutely terrible and terrifying can you imagine i can i just try to put my myself very briefly because it's it's very hard for me to do this but put myself into the mother or father's shoes that has this 2 month old baby that they've been feeding formula to which is what they're what they're told to do And then something's going wrong. And to find out that your baby has sepsis or meningitis.
0: So I, I shared with you when my daughter was young, less than two years old, she had a friend who got meningitis and ultimately passed away as a result of that. And I have been exposed to people who have lost their children. There's nothing worse. I I, have goosebumps and I could, I can get (sighs) very emotional. I'm so empathetic, you know, um, could get emotional just talking about somebody losing a child. I can't imagine anything worse in my life than losing a child. I just, you know, whether it be from this or from something else tragic, you know, I heard the thing about the shooting in Tennessee and I was just on the radio for 45 seconds and I had tears rolling down my face the other day. Right. I just, I can't imagine anything more horrifying than losing a child, let alone from Something so freaking negligent as somebody not making, not doing their job, making a decision to not doing, not do their job. I just, I can't imagine. Can't imagine.
1: Right. Okay. So, what came out with with Frank's testimony in front of Congress was really interesting. So, one is that facility, like we were just talking about, was very old. So what they found in this report, which we'll have linked down below this as well, the actual report from Frank Yannis, their processes were bad. They are not taking enough environmental samples. They had five different strains of Cronobacter found after the FDA did testing. They had no environmental control. Some of the spray, the, the spray dryers had cracks in them which is where you know you can harbor a bunch of different bacteria and cracks of equipment. And the machines were from the 1960s. And as Frank Yenis said, who isn't a young buck, the machines are older than he was in this facility. W- lots of known contamination, lack standards, and all this is written down. You can see all this in there. And he bullet points it very well. Actually, this document, uh, Francine and I read a bunch of food safety Documents and it is probably, you know, we were talking last episode about NyQuil Chicken. Like if you need to go to sleep at night, there's a much better way than NyQuil Chicken. You can read food safety documents. (laughs) It'll just put you right to sleep. This document actually is not like that. It is 12 pages long, 13 pages long, but it is very well written in terms of the way it moves. It's not that scientific heavy. Not a ton of acronyms in there, which food safety tends to have a bunch of acronyms. And it and it really explains what happened, why it happened, and how we could fix it. But one of the huge things that came out of his interview with Congress is uh, the government itself is one of the reasons why the formula industry is so consolidated. There's only 21 facilities providing formula in the United States. And one of the reasons why is WIC, I mean, last episode we were talking about, you know, like food lunch and, and stamps and uh, WIC program, et cetera. WIC from the USDA, WIC purchases 50, over 50% of the formula in the United States. Did you know that, Francine?
0: I did not until the last episode. You might want to explain what WIC is. Not everybody's going to know what WIC is. Oh, WIC
1: is Women, Infant, Children. WIC is a government program provided to uh, low-income moms and children. Not just low-income. We also get WIC too. We're not low-income, but we get WIC because we're in foster care. So any child that's in foster care will get WIC as well. So we get Abbott formula. So he goes through and explains, because there's basically a government monopoly in purchasing of formula, government contracts are provided to formula producers on a statewide level. So Abbott could win in California, Johnson Johnson and another one, et cetera, et cetera. So there's such consolidation within the marketplace in order to create that monopolistic way of getting 50% of the market. When there was a massive problem, like in the Sturgis facility, formula availability dropped. And then psychologically, this also came out with their – Frank explained this very, very well. It's fascinating. Then psychologically, people found out that there was a shortage of formula and what did did moms do? They did exactly what they should do, which is I'm going to stock up and make sure that mine has some, yes, I love you, other mom over there with a baby, but that's your baby. I am going to do what I need to do best for my child, which is stock up on formula. And they did. And so then – There was already an an issue with supply chain, and now there was a a larger issue of availability because everybody was hoarding it, running out and buying it and hoarding it. So he he was saying, listen, we can fix this supply chain issue by having the WIC program force these facilities to actually have good practices and test more for Cronobacter and actually have Cronobacter as a bacteria that... They have to report if they find it within their facility. So he was giving really good suggestions, but I didn't know that. That was fascinating to me.
0: Well, and like you said, moms are going to protect their own children yeah. before they somebody else's children, which is – you're right. That's exactly what happened, and the shelves were empty everywhere.
1: People were very, very upset with moms doing that, and I was not at all. I was like, no, that uh, that makes absolute sense to me because – I'm sorry. I would do the same thing. I would go out and buy what I needed to do. I'd buy like three or four months supply just just to make sure that my baby had it. 100%. What I think was sick, and they talked about this in Congress as well, is people that were buying it to sell it at 300%, 400% more on eBay.
0: Price gouging and doing that type of thing in any of these situations, whether it be baby formula or plywood where when there's a hurricane or a that just irritates the daylights out of me when people take advantage of those types of situations. Right. That is just, you don't do that. And baby formula, of all things-
1: Right. That's just a new low. It's sad. It's it, it's 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 the exact opposite of yours and my belief in in humanity, right? Well, during COVID, right, Francine, you are, you and your family were having a hard time getting masks. My wife and mother in law and daughter. So, what did we do? We just sent you masks.
0: Yeah, a bunch of masks. Yeah, the cutest little masks. <laughs> I needed a child size yeah. mask. <laughs> My little wee head,
1: and then you know that our house is a cesspool of bacteria just because of how many children we have. And you sent a box of purel to my house,
0: not because I thought, oh, Matt's house is a cesspool, <laughs> germ people.
1: No, but I mean, I well, know that's what you do. Yeah. I mean,
0: you, you. However you can help somebody, whatever it is that is in your realm of expertise, whatever that might be, I don't even own a sewing machine, you know what I mean? But whatever it is that you are able to do to help somebody out, for God's sake, you don't take advantage of somebody who is in need. You help however you might be able to help them. You don't go out and buy up all these quantities or use your, whatever capability you have that you're able to go out and buy this stuff and then sell it at a profit off of that. It's just, it's wrong. Ask me how I really feel.
1: No, 100%. (laughs) You and I are like, yeah, you and I will disagree on some things, but that when it comes to just human goodness – that is where you and I 100% agree on. And so if, in foster care community, during this whole entire outbreak, we, we had moms and, and dads that were having a hard time finding formula, like really legit. And so we had a Facebook group and we happened to have extra because um, because we do foster care, because we tend to have at-risk children, babies, and we get on Wick. we had like a stockpile. We get way more than we usually need from WIC. And so we had an extras and we were just giving it away on the Facebook thing. Nowhere in my mind or my wife's mind did we ever go, hey, we have a whole bunch of formula. Let's go sell it on eBay for 100 bucks a hundred bucks a carton. It's sick.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't understand the mentality of – I just – I don't understand it as pro- – I have a struggle with things that I don't under- – I can't comprehend. Right. The motive behind – well, I know what the motive is, I guess, but I just – I just don't get it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Other than evil. Yeah. And so I use this, I use this uh, uh, with my children. You know, there's, there is a subgroup of, of this world that believes that evil doesn't exist. I am not one of them. I definitely believe that evil exists. It's hard not to when I grew up in the way I did. And then um, basically like quasi on the streets and then the, and then having all the, 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 foster kids and adopted children that I have and just seeing it on a regular basis evil exists. But this was a good example. I was able to pull that eBay page up during this whole entire thing and show that to my children and go this is evil guys. If you want to know what the definition of evil is, this is a subtle version of that. This but it's still it's not good. Yeah, not at all. But one of the things so I want to I want to go off on some of the recommendations that that Frank listed in this 13-page document we kind of briefly discussed with Congress but Mainly, they were asking him questions on the periphery because they had these recommendations in front of them. But uh, back to what he could do as his own person, as opposed to working for the FDA. All right, I'm going to read some of these and you have to comment on them. All right, so one is it's time to make Cronobacter Sazoski a national notifiable disease because it's not.
0: Which, why not?
1: Why not? But you know what? I understand why not, because you don't want to list everything. And you and I literally are experts on this, and we had to research it.
0: It's because it doesn't come up that frequently.
1: Right. So so it, it's kind of gone on the radar. And this is one of those things from that diagnosing the the outbreak. We we, we get more info, and now we can make policy based on it.
0: So, th- And this is another thing. So there are certain illnesses that come up more frequently on – one side of the food safety owl than they do the other. For right. example, more frequently, like listeria, listeriosis is going to come up more frequently in manufacturing and processing than right. it does in retail.
1: Correct. Where norovirus, your our, our fun little logo, norovirus happens to be more on the retail food service side.
0: Right. But, you know, they're not going to break it out and say, okay, well, retail needs to report these illnesses (laughs) and manufacturing and processing. I mean, we have a tough enough time getting them to report what needs to be reported. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's for, for a variety of reasons. You know, oftentimes people don't go to the doctor, so they don't even know they have norovirus. And, you know, there's just a variety of reasons why things don't get reported as they should. So, you know... Again, you know, the rarity of occurrence, you know, is probably one reason it's flown under the radar as long as, as it has. But absolutely, it should be reportable. Yes.
1: And it will be. I bet it will be just because it it attacks the most vulnerable. It attacks babies. And in a, in a very, very bad way. So that tends to be a really easy thing for politicians to, to... – <laughs> I mean, they go out and they kiss babies. So <laughs> – It'd be hard for them to vote against something like saving a baby.
0: Right. Okay, next one.
1: All right, so I'm not going to read all of them, but the FDA must enhance its ability to detect signals of potential safety concerns with regulated products and act upon them in a greater sense of urgency. I I just had to read that because isn't that a duh?
0: Yeah, it is. A greater sense of urgency. As opposed to, I Uh, mean...
1: Maybe I'll get to it tomorrow. It's a weekend. Let's
0: push this off to this pile and we'll get to that later while people continue to, you know, get sick and die.
1: You and I talk about this a lot where people wonder why we can exist, you and I, in our businesses uh, when the government handles food safety. And the reason why is because at five o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday, who answers their phone? You and I or the FDA?
0: Exactly. Or who's answering emails on the weekend?
1: Right. And so I think that's what he's saying because he came from... He came from industry and he saw third parties like us and he and he worked for the FDA and he saw the FDA and he's like, yeah, exactly. Third parties exist because the FDA is like, eh, we'll get to it on Monday, maybe. But then number four explains exactly what he's saying because he says Congress should address the cultural, siloed, structural, and leadership if- issues in the FDA food program that contributed to a less than desirable response to this incident. BAM.
0: So the difference between leading the FDA and being able to say to talk about how you really feel about the way this incident was handled in a nutshell. I don't even know what to say <laughs>
1: because he said it. <laughs> it's really hard to comment on that. He literally just Because it's something we would have said. It's exactly something we would have said. It's just something we've said. It's so much of this is common sense. So much is common sense that it's 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 fascinating that it's 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 his recommendations. Like at the end of this, on page twelve, if you guys download this and just look at the recommendations, it's just said recommendations.
0: It would be like, duh, this is what I'm going to say. This is why I quit.
1: This is this exactly. Well, he kind of wrote that in his resignation letter too. But then the other one is number five, which goes back to when we were talking about a couple episodes ago when we were talking about when the FDA sent the letter to the infant formula industry kind of telling them to do commonsensical things. That's number five. Demand that the infant formula industry set higher standards of care for themselves that includes more modernized modern not modernized, oh my gosh, production facilities. And equipment, stronger preventive controls, enhanced sanitary design, more aggressive environmental monitoring, and statistically strengthened verification procedures, which is exactly what third-party auditing is. All of those things, if they had, and I'm sure they had to have had like a BRC or SQF, which are like Global Food Safety Initiative or GFSI audits, all of this stuff would have been found ahead of time.
0: So this is my question. So they have those audits. Yeah. People are coming in and they're doing these audits. Yeah. Paid auditors are coming in and doing these audits. So how did that stuff happen?
1: That is, is, so one of the reasons why my former business partner and your current business partner and I sold our company was because we were, we had, we had auditors actually doing their job and people would go to different auditing companies. Because they wanted to pay for results as opposed to get real results and change practices,
0: and it's one of the reasons I no longer do third-party inspections.
1: Right. It's sad, and I, I'm—I don't know if some people are going to be shocked by listening to this, but it is the industry. Like it's—it's—it's it's, it's becoming more like um, now that these audits, you know, twenty years ago when we first started doing this. Doing audits on a restaurant, like what you were doing, or doing audits in the supply chain, like what I was doing, was so unique that anybody who was actually doing them wanted the results and wanted to do corrective actions, right? It was because Mm -hmm. nobody was forcing them to do it. Now that these audits have become uh, a barrier of entry to sell your product to major retailers or food service companies – Back to the evil, there are companies that have popped up in the United States and from other countries that are, that are basically like certification printing shops. You know, what do you want today? I'll just print it off.
0: So in some cases, they're attached to, like you said, they're attached to sales, people that are selling products. In my case, in my case, I couldn't compete with the people that are selling products they would, they would provide free inspections.
1: Ah, uh, I know exactly the company that you're talking
0: about. Too. If you're getting, it wasn't just one company, there are companies. It's like, okay, well, if you buy your products from us, yeah. we'll do your, we'll do your inspections. Right. So I'm not talking about auditing companies.
1: No, no, I'm no, I know exactly what you're talking auditing about.
0: Companies. Chemical I'm talking companies. About companies. Chemical companies. That so we'll do your third party inspections. Right. You buy your chemicals from us my company was doing legitimate third-party inspections and they were paying for those. Those inspections were much different than a free inspection you were getting for buying chemicals. We were doing, you know, just an inspection. So that's all we were doing. And um, it became very, very difficult to compete with somebody that was doing a free inspection. And and I'm not, you know, this isn't me speaking because I'm angry because, you know, I, I, lost that business. I chose to stop going after any of the business because yes, it was very difficult to compete, but I didn't want to compete at that level because they're not the same kind of inspection. No,
1: not at all. And it's in like, I'll I'll give you an example. We had one, we had one client that left us. And I mean, just to give you an idea of how many, I mean, we had, uh, when Valmir and I sold our company, we had 400 around 400 subcontracted auditors and we were we were providing thousands and thousands of audits over the western hemisphere huge team managing all that so did things fall through the cracks within our organization 100% we had we found auditors doing bad things and and taking bribes or doing whatever and we fired them right but we had one of our clients left us and we asked why and 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 they said this is just one of multiple examples of this that well, this other company provided an audit for us and they um and they had two facilities in in two different counties and they said, "Well, we did one of the auditors did one audit for us and then just just replicated all the information for the second audit." And so I said, "So you did two audits of food safety, you paid for two audits, but you only got one for one facility?" And they said, "Yes." And they were like proud of it. They were they're like, "Why don't you do this?" And I, and I said to them, "Thank you for letting me know. I don't want you as a client." And and they they were shocked. Like, "What do you mean you don't want me as a client?" And I said, "Anybody who is willing to falsify information and knowingly pay for the falsified information is not a client of mine. You're a risk for me." Because if you're doing that, God also God only knows what you're doing. God literally only knows what you're doing. You that and everybody else in your facility for having such terrible culture that you want to hide information from all your clients. And if you have an outbreak, that company is going down, that auditing company is going down, that auditor is going down, and you're definitely going down. And if I were to record this and something happened, this conversation, it's not criminal negligence. It's just criminal.
0: The mentality is just so... It's like I want to work with people that want to do a good job. Yeah, that want to do the right thing. So it was specifically I remember looking in a refrigerator and finding raw eggs. And this is in a restaurant that doesn't serve food.
1: Wait, sorry, a restaurant that doesn't serve food?
0: A bar. I'm sorry. Well, it was okay. So it was in a it was in a restaurant, but it was in the bar section of the restaurant where Got they it. don't serve food. Got it. So there's a dozen raw eggs. The eggs are expired. And they are not only expired, but they're from a local grocery store. Okay. So I said, why do you, why are these eggs in here? And not only that, but they're, the eggs are expired. They said, we have this one customer that comes in and they like this particular drink with a raw egg in it. My heart stopped.
1: <laughs> like My
0: heart, my heart stopped. <laughs> and I said, okay, and you serve this because I'm asking questions, right? Right, right. And they're answering my questions, and I'm. I said, okay, so I have a small problem with that. <laughs> the eggs are expired, <laughs> and I'm going through this. And they're like, well, there was another inspector here, and they didn't have a problem with it.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Okay. Well, I understand that. I don't really know why, but I get what you're saying it's not something you should be doing and i'm always very much i want them to understand why right not just you can't do it but i really prided myself on explaining why they shouldn't be doing it what the risks were and you know the whole the whole nine yards but i went back again like 3 months later and i'll be darned if they didn't still have raw eggs in that cooler purchased from a grocery store which in itself is not an approved supplier to go to the grocery store buy the raw eggs bring them into the unit anyway it just became this whole thing and it's you know again the health inspector had been there since then the health inspector right so it just becomes this whole convoluted mess and you have to pick and choose at some point what is it you're willing to do are you willing to compromise your standards do you want to put yourself in your business? Yeah. In that position or not? And I just made the decision that I was not willing to to go that. No,
1: way. and you know, it's interesting, Valmir and I had a policy of one client not equaling more than 8% of revenue, which luckily we were able to get to that point having thousands of clients, but the reason why was so that we had the ability to fire our high our best clients. I shouldn't say best clients. To have the ability to fire our um, largest clients. And we we did. Probably every 18 months, we would lose our largest client over something stupid. Like them saying to us things like, well, if you don't change this, the, what the auditor saw, if you don't change that on the audit, then we're going to leave you. And our answer was, okay. Uh, how do you want your data? You know, like, no, the auditor found that. You obviously agreed that the auditor found it. You don't want to do the corrective action. That's your issue, not ours. But we are definitely not falsifying information regardless. No money, I, and I would say this over and over again, no money can save my butt in jail. I am not cut out to go to jail. I, I don't think I do well in there. I
0: have always said I will not do well in jail. <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: I will Sorry, not do but, well uh, in jail. Yeah.
0: And I'm a firm believer. Nobody can take your t- integrity away from you. It's nothing that you do yourself. No,
1: and and you know what's interesting is both of us, although in two different two different aspects of the marketplace, we were we were basically selling integrity. That report means something to the industry on both sides, whether that be an A rating on your restaurant or whether that be a superior rating on your supply chain audit. It doesn't matter. That that means something to people, whether that be the consumer or your client in uh, like a Walmart or a Costco or whatever. And if you're falsifying that information, you're falsifying integrity in the industry.
0: And I have never, ever asked anybody to do something that I would not do myself. Right. Ever. So yeah, it just—I don't know how we went down this rabbit hole, but no, nah, just- no. But
1: it's—it's it's interesting because the next one I want to read is reevaluate the thoroughness and frequency of FDA inspections conducted at the infant formula manufacturers. So even he's saying, Frank is saying that the FDA could do better in thoroughness and frequency, which is fascinating because there's only 21 plants, there's 21 facilities. How frequently are they actually looking at this, and how thorough are they in these? They must not have been because this facility, what they found was cracked equipment from 1960s. So even the FDA is having issues in terms of their thorough and frequency of audits.
0: Well, and you know, this is a conversation that I just recently had too. There's a lot of people think that they can bully their auditors and that should be, I don't care if they're third party or they're from the FDA, the USDA, the state. The local municipality, that's not acceptable.
1: No, not at all. And I would tell my auditors too, if you're being bullied, call me. You and I are both very, very nice people until we're not.
0: Like once that line's crossed. Oh
1: man, I can be a very, very not nice person, particularly if one of my auditors was being bullied. Now, if my auditor was being a bully, it would be on the flip side. Like I've had clients call me and be like, your auditor is, and it you know, when you have that many auditors, you'll, you'll have some that are, Jerks occasionally, and we would weed those people out. But if it was the auditor's issue, then I would definitely be on the auditor too. But like the the client, no, come on, man, leave your ego at home, which is hard because a lot of my clients were farmers, so they had egos in their own fields. (laughs) You know, so. But the last one I want to talk about before we move to the next thing is number eleven on on Frank's recommendations is a complete and in depth analysis of the structure and resiliency of the infant formula supply chain in the United States and implement policies that will promote competition, diversification, uh, resiliency, redundancy, and everyday low cost for consumers. I thought that was a fascinating recommendation. It was something that he talked about with Congress in detail of what the supply chain was like and why this happened. And this is is fascinating. He's saying, hey, we created a monopoly. Uh, Congress and the executive branch, because FDA, USDA are part of the executive branch, created this monopoly, we have to fix it. I don't know how that's going to be done. That will be something that will be interesting for Congress. That may not be changed (laughs) Um, because that would literally have to take an act of Congress. And that would be something that would be probably debatable how that, how that would happen. But the other things I thought were pretty good recommendations.
0: No, I agree. I think he did a, I think he did a nice job and he, if he still worked there, would not have been able to put it in that light.
1: No, in fact, he probably would have been fired if he did, I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't have let him. They wouldn't have let him. That's absolutely correct. Okay. So now that we, I don't know how many people have listened to this whole entire podcast because we went into some definite weeds with with this, but um, something fun or scary. What do you have for us now, Francine?
0: Well, I don't know. Some might consider it fun. Some may consider it scary. I don't know. Mouth taping. (laughs)
1: Mouth taping.
0: They might be wishing they could tape our mouths right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Both of our spouses do, I'm sure.
0: Probably on occasion. Um, This is one of the most dangerous TikTok trends, according to doctors. Apparently, there are people that they mouth breathe at night, and some find this very annoying. So they, I guess maybe spouses, are mouth taping so that they can't mouth breathe.
1: Which I'm just curious. When you say mouth breathe, are, are they like snoring or are they just breathing? It just says mouth breathing. And so they're waking up in the middle of the night with duct tape on or are they doing it themselves?
0: Well, this one picture has an individual, a man with duct tape.
1: <laughs> and he wasn't, he wasn't being robbed. Like he really didn't wake up with handcuffs on as well. He was like legit. Just he was like, "Hey, I I mouth breathe at night, so I'm going to duct tape myself. It says,
0: Mouth tape gang unite. <laughs> <laughs> now, if somebody has sleep apnea, um, this could be a problem.
1: So I have woken up in the middle of nights. So, um, <laughs> one of my one of my good friends, and he was my employee too. We we had a policy where we shared rooms whenever. You know, we were out doing audits or trainings or whatever and I have sleep apnea and this before I found out I had sleep apnea I needed a machine and I woke up in the middle of the night to uh to him with a pillow over my face that was scary <laughs> I was like what's going on he's like you're snoring so bad you you I have to wake up and do this training you do not um you're done sleeping <laughs> But it <laughs> didn't end up with duct tape, but a pillow. So I
0: guess they're saying it can help with snoring too. But yeah, can you imagine it ripped the skin right off your lips? I mean – Or
1: I have a beard. So what is that going to do? Ugh. So, but, so it's like duct tape. People unite. So they're like creating a cult or something? Is it like a duct tape? I
0: don't. Don't do it. No, that's just so many different levels of strange on here. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, there's billions, do not and billions do of people. This,
0: do this to your wife.
1: No. Or or my wife, do it to me. Please don't, Tracy. Don't put any duct tape on my mouth.
0: Yeah. And Tim, do not, when I sleep with my mouth open, do not tape my mouth shut.
1: That's just, okay. <laughs> and it's a TikTok thing.
0: Yeah, it was a TikTok. It was a TikTok. I'm actually reading this in the New York Post. But yeah, it was a TikTok. Most dangerous TikTok trends. Oh, mouth yeah. taping.
1: Good idea. I mean, that's where you breathe from. So let's not, uh, I mean, your nose as well, but yeah, don't duct tape your face. Yeah, it's <laughs> not a good idea. Okay. So should we wrap this up? I'm good to go. Awesome. You good. Yes. Very good. All right. Thank you all for listening again. And um, don't eat poop. No poop. Or contaminated dry goods like chronobacter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or anything else that might, you know, other pathogens that might pop into your
1: food. Yeah. Watch yeah. your hands yeah and also don't duct tape, duct tape your face so much good advice today we're full of it we're full we'll definitely good full advice of it. <laughs> all right thank you all have a great day thank you bye talk to you later